welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia, episode number 57 today, Monday, January 25th, 2010. You may have noticed a very different introduction to Purple Mafia today, which is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. We thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show, which is available here in the Twin Cities and, of course, worldwide. Purple Mafia Minnesota Vikings show. But as mentioned, the intro, completely different today because the curse lives on, folks. The curse lives on. And of course, that's what that music sounded like, as uh, Dracula reviving again. It just, it just lives forever, you know, <laughs> like in the video games, Castlevania's. Uh, it just lives on, folks. The curse of 69 lives on. What is the curse of 69? Well, of course, Super Bowl number four. Minnesota and Kansas City. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Not let the show get too long with that, but you get the idea. I mean, it just it lives on. It's been a 40-year curse. That is when this all began, when the Vikings could not defeat the Kansas City Chiefs when they were 18-point favorites 40 years ago. 40 years ago, the 1969 season with Joe Cap at quarterback. Oh, it just it's, it's never ends. The devastation never seems to end for us here in the Twin Cities, and it has really taken its toll. And last night was absolutely, <laughs> absolutely the epiphany of, of what the Viking curse has been. The curse of 69, or Super Bowl Four, or whatever you want to call it. The curse of Len Dawson. 98 absolutely was that. I mean, how could you not say 98 wasn't a curse? How can you not? A 15-1 team losing in the Dome? That's unheard of. 15 and 1 team losing in the dome to end a playoffs before they even make it to the Super Bowl and of course 41 donut against the New York Giants. Yeah. That's got curse written all over it as well. It's Chicago Cubs like folks. Last night was Chicago Cubs-esque of curse. I mean, you can't make it up. It's endless and uh we're going to get into that not right uh in a second though. We're going to get into that in a second because first we got to review the AFC Championship briefly, very briefly, because I'm a nice guy, and that's what I do best, is be a nice guy. <laughs> that's about it, right? No, not really. Well, because we're going to preview the Super Bowl as well today, that'll be like the final topic. And I also want to mention real quick, so I'll say it really early in the show to get you guys to wake up. Um, yeah. I won't be doing a show next week unless unless there are calls call-ins. Otherwise, I will take a break. I will take a break. And if there are call-ins, please have them in to 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. Have them in by next Monday before 2 p.m. Central Time. So if you live in California, which is a hint <laughs> to some people, to somebody out there, um, that would be noon your time, of course, uh, on Monday next week, because I, I plan to do the show in the, uh, the afternoon. I like to have things prepared and ready to go. If if I'm going to do a show next week, if if there's no call-ins, then I'm going to take a break, and uh, that's just that's just fine with me because uh, this has been a you know it's been a long tolling year. Doing I, I do three podcasts, so you get the idea. And um, and unless Viking news breaks, Brett Favre retires, or God for or whatever, he comes back. But yeah, we'll get into that in a second here. Let's just get this New York Jets and Indianapolis Colts game out of the way. Yeah, I picked the New York Jets to win the game, if you heard me on NFL East to West, which I will return one more time, at least one more time, maybe two more, NFL East to West, which is also available on the sportsstuff.com. Yep, all of us were all on there, Dylan and Dylan Richardson and Jim Towers, but yeah. I didn't even actually make a pick, I believe. Well, I might have picked the Colts on this show. I don't know. I'm I'm weird. I tend to change my mind. Yep. Well, Matt Stouffer is going to be the oldest player to ever play in the Super Bowl. The, Col- the Colts kicker at age 42. As he had several kicks yesterday, but they were all pretty close. 25, 19-yard, you know, not much going on there. And they didn't really need any close. They didn't need any major kick late in the game, which would have been nice if the Vikings had the opportunity to do that yesterday, by the way. Because, uh, yeah, did they get that Did they get that opportunity? No. <laughs> yep, as uh, good old Simon would say. Good old Simon. That's where I got the name Paladino Joey. He was on Subpenny Radio. There's a little 
information for you out there that might care about that. Some of you might, most of you don't. Ha! Okay, let's move on. We're going to get to the Viking game in a second. I'm, I promise. It's kind of a brief deal here. Um, yeah, the New York Jets beat the, uh, or did not beat the Indianapolis Colts. It looked like they were going to. The first quarter was a lot of nothing. The second quarter, yeah, when Braylon Edwards breaking loose. It's pretty exciting for the New York Jets. And I was like, oh my, here they come. Here come the Jets. The Colts keep up, keep it slightly interesting, but then the Jets get another play, get another touchdown, 14-6. to Then they make it 17-6 on a 48-yard field goal by Jay Feely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the way the Jets play defense and the way the Colts choke in the postseason, we'll keep our shots away from that for now, if you can kind of guess where I'm leaning. Hmm. But, yeah, the way the Colts generally choke in the postseason – despite having maybe the best quarterback in all of football. Uh, yeah, who wouldn't have thunk the New York Jets were going to win this game? Well, Peyton Manning said enough's enough. You could just see the look on his eye when the, <laughs> when the New York Jets started taking those big leads. He was ready to kill. He looked like he wanted to kill somebody. And uh, the man from New Orleans, of course, son of Archie Manning, former New Orleans Saint, long-term and short-term Minnesota Viking. Believe it or not, Peyton Manning lived in Minnesota for a year Yeah, when he was a kid. Yeah. Very interesting stuff for you out there. Some of you might know that. Some of you don't. Uh, some of you that are out of town probably don't because that was the very tail end of Archie Manning's career. Not nearly as successful as Brett Favre's season. Yeah, Brett Favre was the least of our problems yesterday, by the way. He was the least of our problems despite... <sighs> yeah, you you know what I'm getting at. We'll get there. Um, Peyton Manning, though, yep, he just took over the game, and uh, right now, yeah... Not, uh, right now, I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts take the New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl. That's where I'll lead right now, but, uh, I'm just going to get off that game. The Colts just took over and won it, and that's all that matters. We're going to get to Viking football right now. This game, folks, this game was, like I said, very Chicago Cubs-esque. It was, it got off to a really nice start. You could see the, uh, you could just see the talent level of both teams really showing their true colors early on. Scoring, Vikings score on the opening drive, make it look fairly easy. Adrian Peterson breaking loose twice on the play and eventually going for the touchdown. That's when you said, hey, we are going to win this football game because Adrian Peterson is finally breaking through. It's not two yards in a cloud of dust, as the common man would say on KFAN. Um yeah, it's not two yards in a cloud of dust, finally. Adrian Peterson is finally starting to break loose. But what was the thing I kept talking about over and over and over and over and over and over throughout the season? If Adrian Peterson does not somehow, some way, cure whatever his problem is with fumbling, I don't know what it is, and they need to study the video. It's their job to do it. <laughs> it's their job to do it because it's... I was saying, yeah, he's going to fumble... In a big, big, big playoff game. And it's going to kill us. It's going to kill us, or it's going to put us in position to get killed, basically. Uh, maybe we'll get bailed out and win the game. But still, it's a risk that you gotta fix. You gotta fix it, man. This is like, this is like, this is like a leaking uh, radiator on a car. You know, you can only drive with that so long before the car blows up, right? I mean, you gotta fix the problem. You gotta fix it. This is unbelievable, because you know what? Yeah, Adrian Peterson fumbled three times officially. Uh, two of them were recovered, believe it or not, but the fourth one, the fourth time he really was his fault, was counted to Brett Favre in the handoff exchange. Yeah, we're getting to that in a sec. Um, the defense was disappointing early on, at least really early. The first drive, this, when the Saints rushed right through the Vikings, it just kind of gave me the impression of, uh-oh, yeah, this is really going to be an old shootout at the old corral. Uh, but then after that, things kind of tensed up a little bit, other than when the Vikings went down the field one more time. Favre did a, uh, just a phenomenal job getting the Vikings up the field. Though, I, I, to be honest, on the second, uh, the second deal, there were a few calls that went the Vikings' way early on. Quite a few calls that went the Vikings' way early on. A couple of dumb, dumb-ass penalties by the uh, New Orleans Saints, and, uh, you know, kind of borderline calls, I guess we'll say. The roughing the passer, stuff like that along the way. Um, 
But hey, we'll take it. I mean, you have a quarterback named Brett Favre. He's going to get more calls than any other quarterback probably in the NFL. Joe Montana's not playing anymore. I mean, guys like that are going to get calls, folks. They're just going to. Um, but the Vikings made it look really easy, and it's like, yeah, I think we're going to win this football game, 14-7, to especially when the Vikings' defense stopped the New Orleans Saints on the next play. You figure, here we go. Here come the Vikings. Let's do it. And that's when the trouble started. That's when the trouble started. You can just hear it in my voice. Yeah. Here come the Vikings. Well, this was the first fumble by Peterson. I mean, it just flew right out of his hand. It just flew forward. Like, you, you couldn't believe it. The Vikings were driving again. It looked like we had a chance at something. Um, but that, there was nothing to it. And then the two teams exchanged a few punting drives along the way after that. And it was pretty exciting for the Vikings. Mm. But then this was when there was another big fumble. <laughs> Or this was actually the fumble where they, they lost it, excuse me. This is the fumble where the Vikings lost it. And Drew Brees was able to hit Devery Henderson to tie the game. Made that look pretty easy. Mm. Made that look awfully easy. And then the score just stayed tied after that, 14-14. to This was in the second quarter. And the team started to struggle offensively a little bit. But here was the thing, though. Brett Favre was constantly getting nailed. He didn't get sacked. No quarterback sacks were recorded in this game by either team. But here's the problem. Brett Favre was hit over 15 times in this game. Drew Brees didn't get hit until late in the fourth quarter. I mean, really late in the fourth quarter when it was like there was no time left in the game anyway. And there were, the Saints were just basically uh, running the clock out to go to overtime. That's basically all it was, pretty much. That's when the Vikings were hitting Drew Brees. The Vikings just struggled mightily in this game. But... Yeah. As we're in the first half here, finishing up the first half, the Vikings got the gift of all time when the man who destroyed the Vikings last year, even though they won the game, with two uh, special team touchdowns. Yeah, Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. Two special team touchdowns. Gives the Vikings the ball on the 10-yard line with about, what, two minutes, I believe? Yeah, about two minutes left in the game. Or, excuse me, the core, the sec- the first half. About that, or maybe about a minute left. I can't remember exactly. I didn't write down the exact time. Um, it's not really important, really, when you think about it. About a minute left. Now I remember. It was really getting to the, to the end. But the Vikings had first and goal given to him. Just hand it to him. And on the very first play, the Vikings give it to a guy who's scored touchdowns, making it look fairly easy for the Vikings. He made it look pretty easy, man. Except the whole problem is, cause can this guy hang on to the ball? No, he can't. The ball just flew right out of... <laughs> Immediately, the Vikings had a chance to score a touchdown, and they give it right back to the the Saints. I mean, you get a gift like that, and you can't score, and you just literally give the ball right back. It's just like, do you want to win this game? Or, I mean, it, can someone fill me in or what? But, I mean... Oh, come on, man. I was with Paul Tuna versus Caniff last night, of course, watching the game. On his nice TV, and this is what he had to say about that play. Oh, my God! Yeah, and that, guess what, folks? That's exactly what he said. <laughs> That's what makes that funny. That's exactly what he said. That's exactly how he said it. And uh, I think a lot of Minnesota fans said that as well. Luckily for the Vikings, yeah, it was on the 10, and it wasn't like we gave them the ball, the Saints the ball, on the goal line, the uh, on the other side of the field. But I'm telling you, the Saints gave us a gift, and we could not capitalize because we can't hang on to the ball. You can't hang on to the ball. Adrian Peterson cannot hang on to the ball. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And that was absolutely... <laughs> that's a, It's just... I, I can't even find the words. I'm just... I'm like confused with frustration. I couldn't even sleep last night. I couldn't even sleep last night, and I'm sure the coaches couldn't and the players couldn't either because this was just so painful. These these turnovers were just so devastating for this team. And, uh, yeah, you could see it in Peterson's eyes at the end of the game, but we'll continue. I always get to hit ahead of myself, and that's not good. <laughs> uh, but the Saints opening drive in that second half, uh, boy, was that ever telling. My goodness, because guess what, folks? The special teams for the Vikings had been okay so far, right? They'd been okay. So guess what? We got a little spoiled, didn't we? Yep, just a little bit. Because Roby 
returned the ball 61 yards. And it was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. The Vikings had not given up the lead. They either, It was either tied or the Vikings were ahead. They have never trailed in this game. And that's why I was so utterly encouraged. I was so encouraged by that. But, um, yeah, you're going to get a long pause, a lot of long pauses from me in this show because that's what, that's just, this was just one of those deals. It just was. It was very Bartman-like, very Bartman-like, very Chicago Cubs-like. Though this time it wasn't fan interference. The Vikings just interfered on themselves several times. And, uh, yeah, very good defense by New Orleans in terms of forcing turnovers. But you get the idea, uh, Roby returning at 61 yards, and it's like, oh, boy, not, not, not special teams troubles again. Luckily, this would be the, well, <laughs> this is one of the biggest returns. Yeah, Thomas had a nice return also a little later, Pierre Thomas. But, yeah, Roby had the big one here. The Saints were suddenly on the Vikings, what, 39? They were on the 39. The kickoff was all the way in the end zone, and Roby was able to take it 61 yards. Ugh. Very, very hard to accept. And then the Saints, was it, two plays later, they're able to score, and a nice give to uh, Pierre Thomas. He just ran right through the defenders. Just, he, he just ran right through them, no problem. And he didn't have any problem hanging on to, hanging on to the football either. Just scampered 12 yards after a nice completion from uh, Drew Brees, make, making it look easy. Like, Drew Brees made it look fairly easy all night, to be honest. Um, yeah, Pierre Thomas was a nine-yard run, but still. He just bounced right through everybody and went right in. And suddenly 21-14, New Orleans... But luckily, the Vikings came right back to work. A fairly fairly time-consuming drive, and the Vikings had the ball so much in this game that, uh, yeah, they were in position to win this game if they could only just uh, protect the ball better from this this ball-hawking defense. I mean, this defense of the New Orleans Saints. I mean, I wanted to come on here and say we were flat-out the better team that outplayed the New Orleans Saints, but no, I mean, we didn't flat-out outplay the New Orleans Saints. We could have had we... If we protected the ball properly, yes, the score would have been about 42-28. to 28. Sure. And that's even if we fumbled two times or so, maybe two two times or so. Yeah. It would have been 42-28 Minnesota. We would have coasted and uh, would have been fairly confident going against Indianapolis. No guarantee. Again, like I said last week, no guarantee. But, yeah. I think the Vikings are the better team. And, um... But they weren't... Cl- they... They were so good at, at protecting the ball. Outside of Adrian Peterson, the Vikings were one of the best teams in the league at protecting the ball this year. And this was one of the worst performances in history, in postseason history, in terms of protecting the ball. Um, it just, this was unbelievable. It really was. Uh, but the Vikings offense looked fairly solid other than that in the second half. <laughs> but, yeah, every time Favre was getting knocked down and almost getting hurt, I mean, literally he... Was carted or almost? You thought I, I almost thought he was going to get carted off the field on the play where he hurt his ankle. Took the Vikings down the field. Now this was after Adrian Peterson and the Vikings were able to complete a drive. They actually hung on to the ball this time and tied the game up. Vikings were trying frantically to take the lead at this point. They had a chance, but then Bernard Berrien, who had such a good game, he fumbles on was it the twenty yard line for the Saints? He fumbles. This was after Peterson had fumbled. Uh, I believe it was. Two or three times. I can't remember exactly when. It doesn't really matter at what point. <laughs> it just matters that the fumbles happened and the Vikings didn't win the game. Um, mm. And if I'm a little bit off my game right now, folks, I'm sorry. But that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens when you're just, you know, in a state of shock from what took place. And you didn't get much sleep because I really didn't. I'm sure some of you guys didn't either. It's that kind of game. It just keeps you up because you keep thinking about this and this and this, every little nook and cranny that happened, and had still how we were five yards away from the Super Bowl. It's just, that's the way it was. That's the kind of game it was. Um, but yeah, we tie the game up. Yeah, Peterson fumbles again, and this time it was louder. Oh my God! Yeah, that was louder this time, folks. Peterson fumbles again. No, this was not Peterson. This was Harvin. Excuse me. This was Percy Harvin. Excuse me. And on the very previous play, he f- was fumbling the ball and just picked it back and pull, pulled it back to himself, right? Percy Harvin. So not only did uh, Adrian Peterson f- fumble, Bernard Berrien fumble, but now Percy Harvin fumbled. 
This was his second fumble. This was the one he lost. Saints had the ball on the 20. And again, forgive me for kind of going back and forth on who fumbled when and where. Uh, but yeah, this was a big one. Harvin fumbles in the uh, the Saints red zone. And like clockwork, here come the Saints. About two plays, and it was a pass to Reggie Bush. And yes, he cleared the pile on. He cleared the pile on. We did not get screwed by the refs. Though you could say we kind of did on the appear T.R. Thomas touchdown, as I backtrack a tiny bit. His knee was down. But the way the Saints' offense was clicking at that point and the Vikings' defense was not clicking, at least on that particular drive, they would have scored anyway, most likely. I mean, let, let's be let's be honest. It would have been first down anyway. So let's not uh, kid ourselves. It was a first down, what was it, third and one or something, and Pierre Thomas just went right up the middle and scored. Yeah. But, yes, Reggie Bush was over the pylon, and we got a lot of calls our way in this game. I can't blame it on the refs, and I can't even blame it on Brett Favre because you know what? Because now we're going to get to it right now. This man, this man put the Vikings in this position. He gave us hope. He made us dream. He allowed us to dream and to believe that this team had a chance to go to the Super Bowl this year. Last year, with Tavares Jackson as a starting cornerback, cornerback, quarterback, in the Metrodome, yeah, it was a home game, a whole playoff game. You usually think, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, regardless of who we're playing, you still got a chance. It's a home game. We're, we're wearing the purple, yeah, well, that doesn't really matter, but it's the fact that we're in the Dome with our fans, and the team is pumped up, and the other team is going to get a little flustered, yeah. I had almost no hope, I had almost no dream whatsoever of the Vikings getting anywhere last year with Tavares Jackson as a starting quarterback. But unfortunately, both quarterback seasons ended with really bad plays, really historically bad plays. And this was after, uh, yeah, Favre recovered from that injury, was getting back up. Um, there are some conflicting reports that Brett Favre uh, kind of dramatized a bit. But no, when you watch the replay of what happened, he was hurt. He, he was hurt. He may have dramatized a little bit, but he clearly was hurt. There's no doubt about it that this guy is the biggest warrior at the quarterback position that you will ever see. You will ever see. Not only in a Vikings uniform, but in an NFL uniform. This guy is a legend. And um, he's not perfect. He threw a dumb interception earlier to uh, Vilma. Just a dumb interception. He, he threw in coverage way too much in this game, and he could have had about three or four interceptions. A couple of them bounced right off the, the uh, Saints secondary. He's trying to force plays into Sidney Rice quite a bit in this game. Because, he, well, I mean, for one, he's throwing confidence in Sidney Rice, but he also just wants to force a play, a la Warren Moon, Mr. Turnover Warren Moon. Um, but uh, people out there are saying that's just Brett being Brett, you know, costing the Vikings the game. Oh, how fitting is it that Brett Favre would throw an interception and the game would end? Yeah. And again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. But yes, as the Vikings did tie it up, they were able to stymie the New Orleans Saints. Two and a half minutes left in the game. Brett Favre had the ball with the Vikings. The Vikings had the ball with Brett Favre at the helm. Adrian Peterson was able to break loose a couple times, and he held on to the ball. This was after he fumbled three times. Chester Taylor, though, was really the big key. Chester Taylor when he had to replace Peterson several times in the game after those fumbles and near fumbles and all that good stuff. As the Vikings got lucky on a couple of them, one that rolled forward, and Adrian Peterson himself recovered it. Um, and again, forgive me for bouncing around so much, but uh, yeah, the, the game bounced around. What do you expect? I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to... It's just... There were so many details in this game. I could, it would be a Bible if I took every note of the whole game. It'd be a Bible, because so much happened in this game. It was off the charts. But uh, these plays, this game was, was one of those historic games. And it's like I said coming into this game, though, that, that this game would not go without being crazy, that it would be a little sloppy. Every time we play New Orleans, crazy stuff happens. But, uh, yeah. Chester Taylor did a wonderful job for the Vikings in this game, and uh, he's he's in a contract year, and uh, one way or another, someone's going to want him if, if we're not able to keep him. 
salary cap wise, or if he wants for whatever reason to have a chance to start, I don't blame him for that. He is a starting running back in the NFL for a good decent number of teams. Not every team, but a good decent number. Um, and he didn't fumble. So many guys joined in the fumble category in this game, but not Chester Taylor. He had Adrian Peterson with three officially. Should have been four. Favre officially with one, but that was not his fault on that end of the half play. Oh, man. Mm, just thinking about that drives me insane. Just It would have changed the game. Game-changing play, folks. Reggie Bush screwed up. Their confidence would have been not nearly what it was in that second half. Not even close. Um, but, yeah, you had Percy Harvin fumble twice, but really one was lost. You had Bernard Berrien lose one when the Vikings were in the Saints' red zone. Another major chance for the Vikings to do something. Favre was getting up after hit after hit after hit after hit. And continuously, continuously would get screwed over by other players on this team. He screwed himself over on the Vilma pass. Absolutely. The pass to Vilma, the interception. But um, he was trying to force it to Rice. Yep. Uh, yeah, because it was twice that he was trying to force it to Rice. There's two interceptions, by the way. Uh, but those fumbles really killed us so much. It was... Uh, well, I'm going to get to the final quote on that in a little bit. Because as the Vikings did have that ball on that drive, we, we still believed. After all the fumbling, all the fumbles, we still had a chance to be in position to win the game. I mean, that just shows you. It shows you the Vikings do have heart, obviously. They played well despite all the fumbles. In spite of all the fumbles, the Vikings did play well. The defense absolutely saved this team and kept them in the game. And the offense played good enough to make us believe. They played good enough to make us believe. But <laughs> with the Vikings at the 35, I stood up and my heart was pounding so much, folks. It was pounding. And <laughs> the apartment I was in, I was like, I just told Paul that <laughs> there's going to be an earthquake in this building because my heart's pounding so hard because we are literally five yards away. Five yards away from a Super Bowl. We are five yards away. Just a couple of nice run plays, and we'll see if uh, we are literally one field goal away from a Super Bowl here. Maybe we pounded in a couple more plays. But then the unthinkable happens, folks. The curse. The curse of 69. When the Vikings were favored by 18 points over the Kansas City Chiefs. Who, by the way, is again lost 23-7, to and they didn't score that 7 until the game was totally out of reach and there was no time left. Yeah, the curse of 69 returns because the Vikings had 12 men on the field. 12 men on the field. A 51-yard field goal attempt by Ryan Longwell. I, I'm telling you, 75 to 80% chance he would have made it, right? 75 to 80% chance. Now we're pushed back to 56, but we still have the ball. Third and 15, and it was like, oh, my God, this is so scary. We, well, we still have the ball. Maybe something good will happen. Instead of handing the ball off, we see Favre holding the ball and running. But there's a huge hole in front of him. There's the line of scrimmage. Just, I was thinking Favre is going to keep running and he's going to slide. He'll gain about five yards and slide, right? Just hold on to the ball, slide, and then we'll go for the kick. Because there's the five yards that we lost, right? He was almost at the line of scrimmage. But instead, he does the unthinkable. He throws the ball inside of coverage. To a triple team, Sidney Rice. And every <laughs> everything went out of the building at that point. There went the Super Bowl. And it wasn't over yet because it went to because it was because we knew the Saints weren't going to really be able to score unless they had some type of miracle play. There was no time left on the clock. They had about three seconds. But what does overtime always do to the Vikings? And what does overtime always do after a play like that? It almost never works out. About ninety nine percent of the time, the team that blew the opportunity at the end does not win the game. They just don't. And um, the Vikings did not win the game, as you all know, of course. The coin toss thing always drives me nuts. Now, this is going to annoy some people out there. It's a simple little thing, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> uh, how many times has it been tails? It's tails, I swear to God, 90% of the time. 
you would think they would call tails, right? But no. Steve Hutchinson every single time is called heads, and we always lose on the coin toss when we call heads before overtime. It's just every time. And it's been like that in the past, too. It's always tails. And remember the all, the all. <laughs> this is just kind of a funny thing, but it's true, though. It is freaking true. These coins are cursed, too, because they're always tails. And I don't know why people don't catch on to that. It just seems to always be that way. About, you get about an 80% chance if you call tails for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. Some of you might want to come in with me with that. But do you remember Jerome Bettis, Pittsburgh Steelers, years ago? <laughs> yeah, that was tails, too, right? And it, and it was. The coin actually was tails. He halfway said heads, tails. But, yeah, it's always tails. So, enough. Enough of that. I'm not going to get a conspiracy that, oh, my God, oh, the Vikings always get screwed on a coin toss. We're, oh, we're cursed. But, yeah, we are cursed. We are cursed, but not because of the coin toss. It's because... <laughs> It's because Tails is always right and we're too stupid to call it. It just, I don't know. God forbid, though, we call Tails and we'd still lose it. But whatever. The coin toss did not cost us the game. That was a bad luck thing. It's a gamble one way or another. Technically, it's 50-50. But when you're the Vikings going into overtime in a big game, it ain't 50-50, folks, because the curse of 69 reigns supreme until this team can do something about it. But we're not quite at that point yet that part of our conversation yet but uh yeah when you saw the saints get the coin toss you just knew you just knew they're going to do something and of course the kick return this was by pierre thomas excuse me this was the four it was a 40 yard return it's like why does the special teams have to screw us every time and they all you know they had a decent game at times but when you need this a, a good stop of some kind and god forbid maybe the turnover of legends yes and that's what it would be the curse would end right there on the spot if there was a turnover. That's how you lift a curse. Granted, actually, the curse isn't lifted until the Vikings win a Super Bowl, but you get the idea. That would be a sign that the curse could be lifting. Um, no. It was a nice long return by Pierre Thomas. Saints get a couple calls to go their way that were fairly close. And uh, in the end, there's about a, about a 60% chance it was the right call. And I'd say, yeah, probably. I was too pissed off and too much in a daze at that point because you could just feel, you could just feel the Super Bowl slipping out of our hands. I mean, you could see it. I could almost touch it. It was just like, it's just like in the movies when you see something right in front of you and you can almost touch it and all of a sudden it's gone. It's gone. And the worst part about it is you don't never get it back. At least this game, you, this particular game, it ain't never coming back. It's, it's, it's gone. And we're back to O and O again. We're back to O and O. It's just that is the worst feeling in the world. And uh, all you Viking fans out there that are feeling it right now, I'm I'm with you. I'm right with you as much as anybody else. And I'm sure the coaches of the Vikings are as well. Because you know what, ladies and gentlemen, the coaches did not lose the game for the Vikings. The players lost the game. Adrian Peterson was one of the biggest. Uh, disappointments I've you know in a playoff game and this is one thing we, we could see coming and it's not because I said oh he's going to screw us over one day I didn't jinx him he jinxed himself and he needs to do something about it immediately he needs to oh and by the way the Saints won in a field goal but yeah well we don't need to even get into that anymore <laughs> yeah no we really don't uh obviously you knew that already like because you probably watched it and it's replayed in your head about a billion times even though you already knew it was over after the Favre interception but um and we're going to cover a few other things as well Brett Favre retirement talk and uh Pat Williams talk yeah Pat Williams that's why this could have been our final chance of all time folks maybe not all time but final chance for a long time depending on depending on what pieces fall in place copyright Brett Favre pieces are in place uh I'm not so sure how many pieces are going to be in place in the coming years here. Yeah, it just sucks. 98 was, what, 11 years ago? 2000 was 9 years ago. That game was over after two kickoffs, 14 nothing. Um, but, yeah, 98, yeah. It's like you just know you're not going to get right back in that game again right away. Yeah, now the Vikings did within two years with Culpepper, but then that game was over after two kickoffs, and now it's been nine years. And the Vikings have faced um, very frustrating football. And was it 01? Yep, 01 was really bad. 02 was really bad. 
Well, three and four were okay, but below, you know, below, below to mediocre teams. Mediocre teams at best, who didn't really have much fire. Oh, five, a, a pretty fiery team after a horrible start and all that love boat crap. Oh, six was really bad. Oh, seven was weak. Oh, eight was okay, but not a very, not a very dangerous team in my opinion. Some of you might disagree, but I don't know why you would. And oh, nine was a, uh, the pieces were in place. This was a win-now situation. And unfortunately, well, this wasn't meant to be. This wasn't meant to be, as you all know. Um, my final take on Adrian Peterson. So I'm going to get to him first real quick. My little final take on Adrian Peterson. This guy, the thing he needs to do, in my opinion, and I think, uh, well, I'm a, a, a player he needs to emulate, he needs to study, he should contact somehow if the man wants a chance to, uh, if if the man wants to help out a, a young superstar running back, because he was a young superstar running back at one point, is Marshall Falk. Adrian Peterson needs to get in touch with Marshall Falk, or at least watch extensive video on Marshall Falk, because you know what? That guy did not fumble. He did not fumble, and he needs to somehow learn and emulate what Marshall Falk did to to prevent the fumble, to prevent the turnover. The guy was unbelievable at protecting the ball. One of the greatest of all time. All time. And and you know what? There was another pretty damn good running back here in Minnesota that also never fumbled, and contacting him probably wouldn't hurt either. Robert Smith. Robert Smith never fumbled the ball. Once in a blue moon, of course, it was always at the worst time in history possible, but you know what I mean. He never fumbled the ball. Adrian Peterson fumbles in regulation in, 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 the, in the preseason, in the regular season, and in the postseason. And it's strange, folks. It's strange. And boy, oh boy, did it rub off on other players. And no, yeah, you do got to give credit to the New Orleans Saints. That is what they do. Greg Williams, that is exactly what he, what he does. That's what he wants out of his defense. And it screwed the, it screwed the Vikings over. The Saints could have been the team that... Blew it at home. I mean, they very well could have blown it at home because the Vikings still were good enough to beat them. They still were good enough to beat the Saints until until the Chicago Cubs-type play by Brett Favre. Chicago Cubs. Chicago Cubs-level play, folks. Yeah, it's been over 100 years since they've won a World Series. Yeah. I just hope it's not 100 years till the Vikings win the Super Bowl. But you get the idea. It's that was That was at that level. It really was. The what-ifs live on forever and ever for this team until they win a Super Bowl. The what-ifs. The, the four Super Bowls and the four NFC Championship games. Now we've lost four of each. Now we've lost four of each. Mm, the Vikings were perfect in NFC Championship games until 87. Yeah, so now we're in, now we're getting to that level. Well, uh, I won't even go there. Just thinking of the next level, right? Oh, boy, that better not happen. <laughs> that better not happen. So now it'll be a minimal, minimum of 34 years till the Vikings reach the Super Bowl if they so come back and, re, and uh, really come back with a, with a vengeance next year. But, of course, the schedule will be tougher than ever. Two consecutive division championships and an NFC championship game appearance. Schedule's going to be tough next year. And, again, you don't know who's going to return. You don't know who's going to return and who isn't, including the starting quarterback. Um, Brett Favre's going to be the final topic. But real quick before I segue into Patrick Williams, Pat Williams. A couple more things now. A couple more little bits and pieces to get to. Because, of course, I'm done reviewing the game. Now I'm getting into individual players and what's, you know, my analysis of what's going on here. Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin. Yeah, Offensive Rookie of the Year for 2009, right? But this guy is the most inconsistent player. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, he drives me insane. And by the way, what is the obsession with throwing deep to Percy Harvin? It has not worked a single time. That that is just it needs to go out the door. There is no deep play to Percy Harvin. He's too short. He is too short. He can't get to it. He just can't. The ball is always overthrown to Percy Harvin, and of course he never jumps either. He never jumps. He's always just running and just watching the ball sail over his head because he's too damn short to catch the ball. It's just, you know, the coverage is always too good. Percy Harvin, you throw the ball to Percy Harvin, it is an underneath play. The guy is a borderline running back. 
would you see the Vikings cock? Would you see a quarterback cock back and throw it to a, to Emmett Smith or somebody like that or to Chester Taylor? See now, Adrian Peterson's taller, but still, you, you get the idea. A, a running back type player, you don't you don't heave a uh, sailing pass to a short player like that. You throw that to a Sidney Rice. But no, as I'm going to say, it's it's feaster famine with Percy Harvin. This whole headache thing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's like there's a headache one week. He's sick this week. It's a headache this week. Oh, and he had a return touchdown, and he had a big play the following week. But then it's a headache again, and then it, and then the next week he stinks because of the headache still. You know, the headache is still issue because he didn't get to practice. And then the next week he explodes for a touchdown, and then we got the headaches again. It, what the hell's going on with Percy Harvin? What the hell's going on? I mean, he's he's in and out. He's up and down like a yo-yo. I just uh, hope and pray that that this migraine issue can be solved. Now, I know it's a medical thing, but it needs to get solved. They solved it with Terrell Davis, and, and you saw what he became. Unfortunately, until an ACL tear. That had nothing to do with migraines, folks. Nothing to do with migraines, and that screwed up his career, unfortunately. Um, but they solved it with Terrell Davis, and look what he did. Just amazing career. So uh, I'm not guaranteeing anything out of Percy Harvin. Nothing. I'm not guaranteeing anything because I really don't know what what we're going to get out of him. I really don't know. He was invisible yesterday. And, of course, the two fumbles. The fumbleitis rubbed off on everybody yesterday. It was off the charts. Off the charts. But yes, Percy Harvin, if you can get more consistent play, and of course a year older, a year wiser, a year stronger, and a year better, well, there you go. That is very encouraging, and that's the good part. He's one of the core players that's extremely young. And of course, I already got into Adrian Peterson. He's extremely young, so that does give hope that the Vikings may have another return to the NFC Championship game in less than nine years. (laughs) It might not be nine years again, so we'll see. Quarterback position, well, yeah, that's the final issue, and I keep jumping into it real quick. Tight end, well, yeah, you got Vasante Shanko. He looks fantastic. I'm really excited, and I, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Really, I'm really impressed with him, and uh, keep him as long as possible. That's all i got to say about Vasante. The O-line, the other good thing about that is, well, John Sullivan, Phil Oldholt, and Brian McKinney will be a year older and wiser, and you hope that they can come in and uh, improve. They were good at times, and they were bad at times in this season. They really were. Um, Steve Hutchinson will hopefully be healthier next year. He was hurt pretty pretty much the whole year. Off and on was hurt pretty much the whole year. He played through it, but he wasn't the same player that he's been. Still a pro bowler and all that, but, you know, when a guy's hurt, he's just not going to play at his elite, elite level. It's just a fact. So there's your deal with the offensive line. You hope the Vikings can get another uh, another piece on that O-line via draft or free agency, and I think the Vikings should absolutely do that. Wide receiver, of course, looks good for now, but I wouldn't mind another one. <laughs> I wouldn't mind one more young guy. Who knows? I'll just leave it at that. But um, the safeties definitely need to be addressed. It doesn't look too good. Antoine Winfield, wow. I I, I don't know. He's been reduced to a, to a nickelback role because of the injury, and it's like you wonder what's going to happen now. I mean, the injury lasted so long, it's unbelievable. How long is that going to linger? Is he done or what? I mean, yeah, the Vikings need to definitely work on the secondary, the safeties, and the cornerbacks. It's The secondary's not looking so good. And, of course, Cedric Griffin getting hurt last night didn't help either because he was the best of the bunch. Asher Allen looks terrible. He does. Asher Allen looks terrible. And, um, again, you just hope that uh, offseason, another offseason under his belt, he can get better. But we'll see. I'm, I'm just not impressed at all. Benny Sab looks okay. We'll see what goes on with that. Um, and I just continue to ramble on. But that's pretty much the main idea, though, when, it, when you kind of put a bow on the Viking season and uh, what we need to look at. There's some more stuff we're going to get into, of course, over the course of this offseason. I mean, there's going to be a billion shows. We're going to talk free agency and all that. So that was kind of a brief bow on the season, you can say. And... Uh, what we saw from them in the game and what they need to do to improve and yeah, what's going to happen. So now with the defensive line, there's just one guy of note right now. So hopefully the others will all be here. Uh, Pat Williams. Mm. How scary is this? Pat Williams might be retiring. Very possible. 
He's already 37 years old. I didn't realize. For the longest time, I was saying he was 34. Now, he's 37. And, yeah, he's not the only star player who might retire. He's saying, he said on Monday it's 50-50 on whether he'll return for the final year of his contract. Yeah, he's still got one year left, and he might not even come back. Second oldest player on the Vikings. Yeah. So there's another thing to worry about. You might be losing your run-stopping Patrick Williams, Pat Williams. Now, you have other guys like Fred Evans and such, and even uh, Latroy Guyon, who I like a lot. He's kind of like a – he's a guy who gets sacks more than he probably does run stops. But he, he did a little of both, and he looked okay. Um, so we're going to have to really <laughs> hope for the best with Pat Williams and uh, hope the Vikings can uh, address it if we lose Pat Williams. Maybe it's, is it Fred Evans? Is it Latroy Guyon? Or do we got to turn to somewhere else? One way or another, that is going to be one hell of a loss. Because he was awfully valuable in the Cowboy game, and he was awfully valuable last night as well. Despite the fact he's a little in and out because of his age, he's a bigger guy, obviously. <laughs> he's a very round guy. And, uh, you know, he had a little bit of injury, so maybe he's getting sick of it. Maybe. Maybe. He's mentally drained, though. Mentally drained. Was his comment after that loss to the Saints. Just not cool. And, of course, Favre also mentally drained, as you can imagine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the final topic now. Final topic. Before this gets too long. Because I'm worn out too. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm unbelievably worn out. Huh. Uh, what's going to happen with Brett Favre? That's the million dollar question. That's the million dollar question. And the talk across the league right now, it's unlikely that he's going to return. It's unlikely. Unfortunately. That is the talk. And the talk is he's also already made his decision. He already made his decision a month ago. That was a quote from Ryan Longwell. He mentioned that on the Paul Allen show today. Mentioned that on the Paul Allen show today. Um, and, yeah, it wouldn't be surprising if Favre does finally retire for good. It's unfortunate. But um, Favre did everything but win a Super Bowl, or at least even, well, he didn't take us there either. And, of course, the NFC Championship game ends in devastating fashion, just like last time for him in 07. Very, 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 very depressing and of course the beating he took yesterday was astronomical astronomical beating that Brett Favre took from the New Orleans Saints the team that I didn't really fear all that much yeah they didn't you know defensive line yeah they didn't sack they didn't really get to Kurt Warner in, in terms of sacks but they hit him an awful lot and then unfortunately same thing with Favre the sacks don't always tell the story it's the hits <laughs> Favre took a lot of hits but still the good part was he still had a chance to win the game and the bad part, of course, was on one major play, he failed miserably. And I mean historically. Historical mistake by Brett Favre. And it, uh, I'm not going to say it tarnished his season or his legacy. It sure as heck doesn't tarnish his legacy. Though some idiots out there who need to keep their mouth shut are saying that's Brett for you and ha-ha, screw the Vikings and all that good stuff. No, that's idiotic. Brett Favre did what he could for this team for most of the year. Just made one horrendous play, and he did it at the wrong time. The wrongest of wrong times. So now the possibility that Favre will retire is, now we look at possible quarterbacks. And I'm going to just go over this really brief, ultra brief. But yeah, the possibilities could go eat Matt Hasselbeck because Pete Carroll might want to go with someone else. Donovan McNabb could be available. Also, there's... <laughs> Tim Tebow, the Vikings hopefully try to draft him or acquire him in the draft somehow via trade or something. Or McCoy. That's, of course, the uh, the Texas quarterback. Uh, I wouldn't mind that, but, again, pipe dream, I think. Like, we went through all this last year. The Vikings got fortunate that Brett Favre did decide to return and, and come here. But, again, at 40 years old, how much longer is he going to play? How much longer is he going to play? Obviously, it would just be one last year. And how good would he be? Is he gonna? Is he gonna ever be able to do thirty-three and seven again? I doubt that. I truly doubt it. And of course, he also might lose Chester Taylor. Very possible. Very possible that Chester Taylor won't be coming back. That sucks. Totally sucks. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Uh, cute, cute ideas with the four quarterbacks out there: McNabb. Hasselbeck, whatever, but I got a feeling it's going to be, we're going to look at Tavares and Sage again next August. That's unfortunate. So it's come down to this. Will the Vikings 
will the Vikings ever rid themselves of the curse? Because you know what, folks? My final statement on the game, this is it right here. For all of you wondered. This game as a whole, and again, it does not focus on any one single player, but this game will go down as one of the biggest foul-ups of all time. Of all time. Because the Vikings should have won this game. They absolutely had it in their grasp. But this was blown at Chicago Cubs' astronomical level. So that is my closing statement on the Vikings game. And the question becomes now, will this team ever be lifted of the curse of 69? The Vi- for the Vikings to do that, they need to face their fears and rid this team of the curse. But until then, the curse lives on.